0: Coming up in this episode... I do appreciate that they're complicated, interesting people uh, who you can really sort of get attached to and and hope for the best for.
1: And hopefully, they will read with an open mind and open heart and open up to something they had not thought about.
2: When you're talking about history and you're
0: talking about Albany, you're talking about the civil rights era? The Albany movement, which is not something I knew about uh, before I read this book...
2: This podcast from Georgia Public Broadcasting highlights books with Georgia Connections, hosted by two of your favorite public radio book nerds who also
0: happen to be your hosts of All Things Considered on GPB Radio. I'm Orlando Montoya. And I'm Peter Biello. Thanks for joining us as we introduce you to authors, their writings, and the insights behind the stories mixed with our own thoughts and ideas on just what gives these works the narrative edge.
2: Hey, Peter, what book are we talking about
0: today? Today, we're talking about The Peach Seed, a debut novel by Anita Gale Jones. Jones lives in California now, but she's she's been there since 1985. But she grew up in Albany, Georgia, in the southwest corner of the state. Uh, and that's where most of the events of this novel happen, southwest Georgia. So, we're talking about the peach seed. Isn't it normally called the peach pit? I thought so too, but I mean, it sounds better to say seed, right, rather than peach pit, you know? But there is a seed inside the hard, almost wooden pit, which is the part that's great for carving. And I didn't know until reading this book that it's actually a thing to to carve these dried peach pits into objects. Usually, There are a lot of peach monkeys out there. If you Google peach pit carving, Uh, The first thing that pops up are these little monkeys that, you know, monkey kind of curling around and holding its tail. Uh, And in this book, it's referred to as the peach seed monkey.
2: I can't even picture a,
0: a seed being turned into art. but it, the Very small uh, knives and carvers, I suppose. But yeah, it, my fingers would be way too clumsy for something like this. But it they're cool. Google it. you got to see these things.
2: So, Peach Seed is the title. What role does this peach
0: seed monkey play? Okay, the crux of the story is... The Peach Seed Monkey is this little carving that gets passed down to boys in the Dukes family when they turn 13. The main character we follow in this book is Fletcher Dukes, who's a widower. Uh, Let me back up a moment to say that novelists sometimes let ideas percolate for kind of a long time before they start writing, and Jones was thinking a lot about manhood and leadership, particularly in Black families like hers and in Deep South communities like the one she grew up in in Albany. Uh, and that's what she was thinking about when she was considering this project.
1: When I started figuring out what the book would be about and who would be in it, the little monkey just jumped in. He just jumped in and said, I want to be in the story. And it was up to me, of course, to figure out how to make him fit. So I invented the tradition that the men in the Dukes family carve these little monkeys and they they give them to the young boys when they come of age. At 13, they receive their peach seed monkey along with the catchphrase, this will keep the monkey off your back because being a man is more than a notion. And he becomes the thread that just pulls you through the story. So the
2: peach seed becomes the thread in the story. How does that work?
0: Well, there are a few threads here. I mentioned Fletcher Dukes. He's the patriarch of this family. His wife died a few years back. He's living alone when the novel starts. Spends a lot of time with his sister. And one day he's out at the grocery store with his sister and he sees Altavis the woman he proposed to when he was a young man. This is like almost 50 years before the novel begins. Altavise said no to his proposal and then promptly moved to Michigan. She, he never sees her again. She goes on to have a successful music career. She puts out records. Fletcher buys them uh, as he moves on with his life. You know, he bas- she basically disappears from his life. He gets married to someone else, has a few daughters, has a whole life without Altavis, except for her music, of course.
2: So Altevis comes back and rocks the boat a little bit?
0: Yeah, I mean, this is how I think a story sometimes. Maybe this is a bit reductive, but, you know, there are two kinds of stories. There's the hero goes on a journey kind of story, and then there's the stranger comes to town story. And this is one of the stranger comes to town varieties, right? Altevis comes back and just disrupts this piece that, that Fletcher Dukes has been uh, enjoying, more or less, for his whole life. Here she is, the one that got away, And he's got a whole lifetime of experiences that would have been different had she said yes 50 years ago. And now here she is, and he's got to like process that and and think about it.
1: And it's the story that a lot of people gravitate to. That's when, for a long time, my main pitch for the book, I've centered it around that. That piece about Altovice being away for fifty years and then she comes back and people say, Oh, do they get back together? It's like, I don't know, you gotta read the books. <laughs> <laughs> so but just exploring that from a human point of view, a universal human point of view, it's devastating. And and then when you learn when the when you learn that this person is back, of course, she's got a lot of baggage she's brought with her. And then you're also of a certain age now you're not going to react to this as you would have when you were in your 40s and someone came back after 20 years or whatever. So that was in that was foremost in my mind was always keeping to how would these folks act at almost being they're almost 70. They're 69 years old. So I had to try to put myself in that position, of course. Now I'm closer to their age because it took forever to write the book, but um 10 plus years to write it. So as I'm writing and I'm getting closer and closer to the age that they are, and that made it a little easier. But I I just really walked a mile in his shoes and just tried to imagine what if.
0: So do they get back together? I would answer that, Orlando, but I'm going to hold off because it's not... Uh, That's Im- the central question in the book. It, 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 well, it's one of the questions, uh, but there's an... There's actually an even more interesting question raised by another thread in this story. Uh, and this thread is about the character of Simon. Simon, who's that? Okay, before I answer that, I just want to say that this is kind of a spoiler. Not, not a super big spoiler, but kind of one. So I should say, for me, I don't care about spoilers. I'll have a book spoiled any day of the week. That's not what it's about for me. I, I kind of like knowing the end sometimes. But I know some people don't like that. So if you absolutely hate anything that carries even the slightest whiff of a spoiler, uh, skip this part. Uh, I don't think it's much of a spoiler and I'll explain why. But now's a good time for the anti-spoiler crowd to maybe hit the advanced 30 seconds button on your podcast player of choice, maybe hit it twice. Okay, Simon is a man born in Michigan shortly after AltaVista left Georgia and who was adopted and therefore doesn't know his birth parents. His adoptive parents died, and all he has from his parents is a peach seed monkey that his birth mother said should be given to him on his 13th birthday. And who do we know who carves peach seed monkeys? Fletcher. Fletcher Dukes. And in this book, Fletcher proposes to Altavis, not with a ring, but with... A peach seed monkey. Exactly. So as a reader, within about the first third of the book, you can kind of figure out that Simon is Fletcher's son. AltaVise was pregnant when she declined his proposal, but she moved to Michigan and gave up the baby for adoption. Because you figure that out so early and it's so obvious, in my view, it's not much of a spoiler. But as the novel progresses and Fletcher and AltaVise reconnect, uh, what hangs in the balance is not necessarily will they get together. How it's going to happen. Yeah, how it's going to happen. What's going to happen when AltaVise tells Fletcher that Uh, She gave up his son for adoption so many years ago. He's had daughters, right? He didn't know he had a son. He never had a son he knew to give a peach seed monkey to. So that was the, at least for me, right? That was the question that pulled me through this narrative towards the end. What's going to happen when this comes out between the two of them and and how are they going to survive this?
2: Sounds like a story
0: that could only take place in a smaller town. Yeah, to some extent, yeah, especially with so many questions about, you know, leadership and legacy in this small uh, small town, in this black community as well. Um, this family, the Duke's family, is kind of how uh, Anita Gail jones makes manifest all these questions she has about leadership and, and uh, history. There's more history we're going to get to in a minute. Um, so, yeah, Albany really does matter a lot in this particular novel. When you're talking about history and you're talking about Albany, you're talking about the civil rights era? The Albany movement, which is not something I knew about uh, before I read this book. You know you know about the civil rights movement. You know what was happening in the South. Uh, there was a part of it that took place in Albany, uh, and Fletcher and Viz, uh, when they were dating uh, around, when they were around twenty, they were marching in protests, and Altevis was arrested. And you know, they attended trainings where the, you know the the male protesters were supposed to protect the the woman protesters. And uh, I asked Jones to tell us a little bit more about what happened in Albany during the civil rights movement.
1: The movement started with the late Charles Sherrod who was a field secretary in the 60s. He came to Albany to work on voter registration and to work on civil rights, and he never left. He passed away last year. I think it's been about a year in October he passed away. And he did a lot of work to register people to vote, and there was a lot of that going on. That was a main focus. And and then people were being organized to make some changes to many things that were happening in albany and dr king came down from atlanta to help with the with the movement and he had a definite plan that later on he would identify as being too broad that it needed to have a a more narrow focus and this is why the movement went down into history as being a failure Hmm. and it was absolutely not a failure of course and people on the ground kept working after King left and they have never stopped working.
0: So when I spoke to Anita Gail Jones about this particular part of the novel and about Albany's role in the civil rights movement we we I I asked was it kind of a laboratory for for methods of protest during the civil rights movement and she she said that was a good way to describe it. But I had never heard about the Albany movement or if I had I'd forgotten. You've lived in Georgia longer than I have. Orlando is this a thing people know about in Georgia?
2: I yeah, I've been here in Georgia for 24, 25 years. So yeah, I knew uh, about the Albany movement. Not like all the details. I had, I have visited Albany, been to the Civil Rights Museum there, and I think uh, last year
0: um, Sherrod died. Did, did he not? Mm, that yeah, that's what she was saying. That uh, that he um, died about a year ago. And
2: yeah, we did a story about that. So uh, I, I I remember that.
0: Okay. Well, I suppose Fletcher and AltaViz could have met any number of ways, but to me as they're protesting a movement pushing for racial equality, really ties into that theme of black strength and resilience and leadership, which is most directly related to another thread in this book. There are a lot of threads. Uh, there are a few sections in this book that start in Senegal in the 1700s and follow a character named Malik as he is abducted into slavery. He's, that goes way back. It goes way back, right? She's she's really sort of using the the author's privilege here to, to direct your attention to... The this family, right? Because we eventually learned that Malik is uh, an ancestor of Fletcher. Um, and of course, something Malik holds onto in his pocket and has special meaning to a him is, is a peach seed. Uh, so I asked Jones what she was hoping to accomplish by including Malik's ancestral story.
1: As I wrote it, as I wrote the ancestral story, I thought, boy, I wish I could tell Fletcher that I know his people. I know who they are. Of course, I'm also inventing them, but... <laughs> I also wanted that for the reader. I wanted them to feel I have some insight into this family that they could never have. Boy, I wish I could tell them. And I feel that that fiction has a beautiful opportunity for people to meet someone they might never meet and go right inside that person's head and see what makes them tick. So someone total opposite of Fletcher Dukes gets to know him, a black man in the South, and hopefully— They will read with an open mind and open heart and open up to something they had not thought about.
2: So what do you think gives this book the narrative edge?
0: What gives this book the narrative edge, I think, is how a book like this could have easily been a heavy-handed lecture. This book is not a vehicle for Jones's thoughts on slavery or how the civil rights movement went down in Albany. Uh, She keeps it very human, even though it's also very consciously trying to show how trauma is passed from generation to generation. In this case, the trauma of being kidnapped, forced into slavery, and living under the oppressive thumb of white society. Uh, she's conveying all of that without losing sight of Fletcher and Alta Vise and some of the drama I haven't even gone into with uh, Fletcher's grandson. Uh, it, it's complicated, uh, they're interesting people, and that's the bottom line, I think, and I I, I do appreciate that they're complicated, interesting people. Uh, who you can really sort of get attached to and and hope for the best for. Well, I'm up for a love story. It's it's one of those love stories you don't see too often, right? Sounds
2: fascinating. Yeah. Sounds yeah. fascinating. The book is The Peach Seed by Anita Gale-Jones. Peter, thanks for telling us
0: about it. Always fun to chat with you about books, Orlando. Thanks for
2: listening to Narrative Edge. We'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. This podcast is a production of Georgia Public Broadcasting. Find us online at gpb.org
0: slash Narrative Edge. You can also catch us on the daily GPB news podcast, Georgia Today, for a concise update on the latest news in Georgia. For more on that and all of our podcasts, go to gpb.org podcasts.